Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. And nobody is going to look down on you and say, you don't know how to pray? We're going to help you. We're going to walk you through it. This is part of being part of your spiritual journey. So we're focused on prayer, but we're not only focused on prayer, we're also focused on fasting. You say, Aaron, what is fasting? Glad you asked. Thank you so much. Fasting is the elimination of things for spiritual purpose. Oftentimes it can be food, or most of the time it is food, but it can be lots of things. And what fasting does is fasting can bring spiritual clarity and revelation into your life. Fasting is not about you getting something from God. It's more about you eliminating some things from your life so that you can focus on your relationship with God and therefore bring yourself into alignment with him. I just said lots of things, but is that clear? We are sacrificing something for God's presence, a stronger presence of God in our lives. And so there are different kinds of fasts that you can do. There's a complete fast where you don't eat anything. You just drink liquids. This can include fruit juices. If you're going to do a complete fast, please talk to your doctor, um, with it, by the way. So make sure you, you have him uh, his okay to do a complete fast. There's also something called a selective fast where you choose to eat only specific things and eliminate other things from your diet. There's like the Daniel fast uh, where you, you don't eat meat, you just eat fruits and vegetables, no caffeine. That means no coffee. Nobody's doing the Daniel fast in here. Okay, I got you. <laughs> then there's something called a partial fast, which this would be very common to the Jewish people, the people of the Bible, where they wouldn't eat uh, anything from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. It was a sun up till sundown kind of thing for them. So you can do that, where you, where, which means you can choose to skip breakfast, skip lunch, skip both. Uh, or, or skip, you know, breakfast and dinner and only eat lunch. It's up to you, but that's called a partial fast. And then there's something that, this is kind of a newer idea, but it's, it's something called a soul fast. And I really like this one because what this does is it removes things that you're consuming in your life that, that have nothing to do with your relationship with God. And this is what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're reading, the things that we're tuning into and giving our time and attention to every day. So you can eliminate things. Like for 21 days, I turn off the television. I don't watch it. Uh, I I go and do other things in my household. And and I love it, but also hate it at the same time, because I'm like, all my new episodes of my favorite shows are coming out. But it's it's really nice, because I get a nice little binge at the end of it all, right? You know what I'm saying? After 21 days. But but it's it's a powerful thing, because you're eliminating all these all these things that are flowing in. And man, you just have a, a great time with God as you focus on just your spirituality. So I want to encourage you, the fast, uh, prayer and fasting starts today, runs January 9th through the 29th. We'd love to have you be part of that. If you want to know more about fasting and more about what we're doing, you can visit mysimple.church slash prayer. should be up on the screen. Hey, there it is right there. Uh, and uh, there, there'll be more info on that to help you with that. But, but we want to invite you to join us, all right? So this is a journey. This is, this is about you having your best year ever. And it starts with prioritizing your relationship with God, but there's way more. So let's get into God's word, shall we? I'm going to be in Ephesians 6. This is our theme verse uh, for this series, verse 11 through 14. And it says this, put on all the armor that God supplies. In other words, there's, there's a bunch of ways to protect ourselves that God gives us, okay? And he, and he says, put on all the ways, put on all the armor that God supplies. In this way, if you'll do that, you can take a stand against the devil's strategy. And I want to pause right here because I think there's a huge misunderstanding about the enemy. See, some of you think the enemy doesn't exist. Or maybe you believe that he does exist, but he only exists in like cartoons and he exists 
you know, to, to like, to torment, like, really, really, uh, you know, like, important people, people with power, or maybe, maybe that he's just to torment bad people at the end of their lives, but that's not the case. You have an enemy of your life who hates you. His job is to be at war with your lives. In fact, Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is on the war path. And let me tell you, my friends, no war rages without a battle plan, without having some kind of strategies. And that's why we need to be participants in protecting ourselves and putting on all the armor that God gives us so that we can stand against those strategies. You having a strategy for the best year ever means that he also has a strategy for your worst year ever. Hello? He has a strategy and a plan for your marriage. He has a strategy and a plan for your finances, for your kids, for your home, for your community, and for this church. And I'm telling you, it isn't fun and party and games. It's to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You say, why would he target me? Well, you are the righteous seed. You are the light of the world. This is what Jesus said about you. You are a joint heir with Christ. And because of those things, the enemy will stop at nothing to destroy your life. So we have to stop acting like he doesn't exist. In fact, I think the greatest strategy that he's ever come up with is to get us all convinced that he doesn't exist, that we aren't actually at war. But we need to eliminate that lie. We need to discover, is that really what we believe? Or do we believe that there is a war that is raging and that, he has, that the enemy has strategies? So in order to defeat him, we have to take a stand. That's what it says uh, going on, continue on. Verse 12, it says, this is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. A lot of times we think that the stuff that we're wrestling with or the issues in our life are because of somebody. And Paul says that's not the case. He said we're wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern this world of darkness, and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. See, there's this unseen world, what Paul is saying, there's an unseen world that is controlling and influencing the seen world. God, who is spirit, is unseen. Satan and his armies of devils and demons are unseen. Angels are unseen. And yet, there is a war raging in this unseen world that is impacting and affecting your life. It's having an impact. Back in the day, I think that, that the unseen strategies, or the, that the, the devil's strategies were unseen. But today, today in this world, like, I mean, in 2022, his strategies are, like, right out there. They, they're, they're right out there. They're not even hiding them anymore. He's not even being subtle about them anymore. And the world has absolutely bought into and embraced the strategies of the enemy. And my question is, is that in the face of blatant rejection of God's ways, will the church take a stand? Will we be people who have the best year ever through that stance? Verse 13, for this reason, take up all the armor that God supplies. This is the second time it said it, by the way. And remember, when scripture starts repeating something, it's important that we pay attention, right? Second time he's told us to take up this armor, all the armor that God's given you. He said, then, then, then. Everybody say then. Then. So if you take up the armor, then. This is, like, this is an if-then statement. You, kind of, you learn this in, in, in math, right? Like if this is true, then this is true, right? If you'll do that, then this will happen. Then you'll be able to take a stand 
during these evil days. And if you don't think we're in evil days, I'm not sure what newscast you're watching. Thank you, Asher. Seriously. I, I don't have time to go into it. My goodness, I got to go. All right, here we go. Come have a conversation with me if you don't think we're in, in, in times and that we're in evil days. I promise I won't yell at you. I'm just going to show you some scripture. That's all I need to do. Show you scripture that was written thousands of years ago about what today would look like. All right, here we go. And once you have overcome all obstacles, here it is again, you'll be able to stand your ground. So then, take your stand. That's the topic of today's message is to stand. It's time for us, church, to stand, to not stand as individuals, but to stand united, to stand together against the strategies of the enemy. It's going to take using all that we have available to us, all that God has provided to us, using the weapons and the armor that he has given us. That's why this is how we fight our battles. That song is so important to me. That, that we need to learn to use praise as a weapon. It's one of the greatest weapons we have. That was a good place to say amen. I heard somebody whisper it, and that's all right. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> we've got to shake ourselves, and we've got to get ready. So today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the rest of our time in Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to look at three guys who took a stand, and we're going to find some inspiration for our best year ever in the rest of our series. Let me give you a little bit of history uh, here's what's happening is, is the people of Israel were conquered by this great nation called Babylon. Babylon was conquering tons of nations, and they were creating these territories, an empire, as it were. And Israel was just one of the, city, or one of the countries to be conquered. And when Babylon conquered a country, what they would do is they would take people from the elite, the elect, the educated, the wealthy, and they would exile them from their home country, take them back to Babylon, to be inundated with the culture, to be inundated with their language, with their customs, and with their beliefs. And then they would send them back home so that what would happen is, is that, that a country that had its own cultures and belief systems would eventually be torn down and be replaced with Babylonian beliefs and cultures and customs. The point was to slowly make a shift in every single place so that no place ever stopped being a Babylonian province, that it became who the people were, not Jews who were conquered and oppressed by a culture. They became Jews who would be Babylonians. That was the point. That was the goal. And our three friends uh, actually were one of the ones that got exiled. In fact, uh, the, the most popular of the three is Daniel, the guy who wrote this book. And Daniel is taken. Daniel uh, it distinguishes himself because he's got these exceptional qualities. He's got great leadership potential and a strong man of character. And so they, they recognize that in him and they give him a job in the government. So Daniel does what every guy, good guy does, is when he gets a job in the government, he gets his three friends a job in the government as well. Right? So they're all working together. And here's what happens is that the king of Babylon, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. Try saying that one five times fast. Not right now, later. And so King Nebuchadnezzar decides, you know what? I'm going to establish this new religion. And the new religion is going to be like this. I'm going to, we're, we're going to make a golden image of myself, and, and, and we're going to play some music, and then everybody's going to bow. That's what the religion is going to be about. We're all going to bow and worship. And this becomes problematic for these Jewish boys who know that there should be no other God before their God. 
So we pick up the story in Daniel chapter 3, verse 4. It says, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of all those instruments and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. You must, bow, must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, which, by the way, was himself. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So here comes this new religion along, and everybody's going to participate, right? We're all going to do it. It's fine. It's not going to hurt you. It's not a big deal. We can all do this together. So we're, so we're all going to do it, and, and it'll be fine. It's going to be great. You're just going to bow. No bigs. But if you don't, well, you don't want to know what happens in the fire. And that's what happened in this situation with them. If they didn't conform, they didn't bow and worship the image, they would be condemned to death. And I want you to understand the difference between the enemy's tactics and God's behavior. The difference between God and the devil is that the devil will always threaten you. He'll use fear tactics to get you to be motivated to do what he wants you to do. Whereas God, is, God always has an invitation. There's an invitation to your best life. There's an invitation to the best year ever. There's an invitation to better. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is an invitation. Whereas the enemy will use manipulation to get what he wants out of you. And it's not about you. It's not about your betterment. What it's about is getting what he desires. What it's about is control. What it's about is, is how he benefits. And so the enemy it will manipulate you, and God will lovingly invite you. Always. We cannot make decisions out of fear or we'll fall for the strategies of the enemy. And so these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a, to make a decision. Were they going to bow or would they stand for what they believed? And so... If you know the story, you know that they decided not to bow. And there was a whole group of Karens who needed to speak to the manager over the situation. It says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. I think that's interesting, don't you? It wasn't that they denounced Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They denounced all of their people. They said, well, if these three guys aren't willing to do it, these guys have this in them, this, this belief then all the Jews are bad. I just think that's interesting. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, because a lot of that's happening today, by the way. Okay, I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all those instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing fire. Truth, that's what happened. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. They ain't giving you no mind. La, 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 la. Nothing. You said it, king. You said there was going to be a penalty for it, and they're acting like you didn't threaten anything. Oh, king, this isn't good for you. This is going to make you look weak. This is going to make you look like like what you said, has no power, no authority. They're challenging you, O king. So they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. They're not conforming. And all the Karens wanted to squash it. And what they accused them of is not 
paying attention. So the first question we have to resolve within our hearts if we're going to choose to stand is what do I give my attention to? What are you paying attention to? What voices are you listening to in your life? Who's dictating what your behavior should be? Hmm. I imagine for the boys in this moment that it was probably hard. This was a difficult moment for them because everyone around them is bowing and they're not. In fact, there was probably, because these are the only three called out, there was a whole bunch of Jewish people that were there that knew and believed the same thing as them, but they bought into a lie. I'm going to go ahead and bow now so that way I can stand later because, you know, God wouldn't want me to die. I'm, I'm on mission here in Babylon. So I'm going to go ahead and bow. <laughs> you got to imagine it's difficult. You got to imagine that their mind is like, where's Daniel? There's four of us. Where's Daniel? Because you know what? Misery loves company, right? <laughs> where's Daniel? He's the one that got us involved in this. Theologians say that it's possible that Daniel was off running like an, uh, like an expedition or he was off, off doing something on an errand uh, from, uh, from the king. And so but he wasn't present. He wasn't involved and included because Daniel wasn't about either. And they're asking, there has to be this inner torment that says, what do we do? Because what they're asking us to do doesn't feel right. What they're asking us to do to bow doesn't feel right. And I don't know if you're paying attention, but, but if, if maybe you can relate. Because, man, if you watch the news today or if you watch the world today or you get on any social media today, they are propagating and pushing all kinds of ideologies and celebrating things that are being crammed down our throats that I don't know. When I look at Scripture and when I listen to what they're saying, it just doesn't feel right. It, do, it doesn't feel right. And I don't know if you have felt the pressure to bow to those things. Through fear-mongering and bullying, which is an enemy tactic, they have pushed us to be silent. Cancel culture is a thing today. You know that? People are losing their jobs, losing opportunities. There's a church in Alabama that, that simply because they, the, the, the pastor liked, uh, uh, liked something that, that somebody posted, he, they lost opportunities to serve, to serve. Had a whole outreach center in a, in a community. And somebody said, nope, that's not, that's, that's, not, that's not right. And they lost opportunities. They were canceled in a very needy neighborhood. It's crazy to me what's happening in the world today. And we're tempted to be afraid. I get it. But something doesn't feel right, does it? Something doesn't feel right. We have to be careful what we give our attention to. In the DeLong house and here at Simple Church, I need you to understand, we will bow to no one but Jesus. Amen, everybody? We will bow to no one. He alone is worthy of our attention. Now back to our story, it would have been easy for these boys to bow, but unfortunately, when everyone else bowed, fortunately for them, what they had was each other. Because it's important, when you're being tempted, when you're being bullied, when you're being pushed to bow, that you have other people with you. In fact, I would say this, you're only as strong as your relationships. Somebody needs to hear that today. You're only as strong as your relationships. We need people in our lives who are paying attention to Jesus as well. 
We need people in our lives who will rally with us so that when the enemy is threatening, when the enemy is bullying, when there is hell to pay for our stance, that we have people that will rally with us and stand with us. If you're paying attention to the times, depression rates are skyrocketing. More, 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 more depression than we've ever had. More suicide. Suicide rates are up. Divorce rates are up. Drug use is up. Why? Because the world is demanding that we bow, and what the world is demanding that we bow to doesn't work. It leads to more pain. It leads to more issues. We need other people that will stand strong with us in the ways of the Lord because God's ways always work. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, the more we fellowship, the more we gather, the more we worship, the more we pray, the stronger we are. And that's when we are together. That's why I think you need to be in a small group. That's why I think you need to come and be part of prayer on Saturday mornings with us and then join us throughout the week. I think you need to be here each and every Sunday that you're able to be here because we need each other if we're gonna stand. We will not bow if we have each other, no matter what comes. Now back to our boys. The king gives them an opportunity to make it right because, you know, well, maybe they misunderstood. Hey, guys, maybe you missed the last part. This isn't an invitation, but I'll give, I'm willing to give you the benefit of a doubt. He says, so, so when you hear this music play, you're supposed to bow. And if you don't, there's this thing, you know, it's fine. You're just going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. It's just, but you're clear. You hear me, right? Can you go ahead and sign a statement that you affirm you understand? Come on, anybody. Get the legalese out of the way. Uh-huh. That's happening a lot today, too. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Don't miss that. That's really important. Defending yourself is not your job. That's God's job. He's our defender. He's our strong tower. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a God of justice. Vengeance is his. It belongs to him. We don't need to defend ourselves. I like that. Not the point of my message, but it's in there and it's good. He said, if we're thrown into the, <laughs> said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Man, what faith, what trust they demonstrated. The king of Babylon, the conqueror, this not just a king at this point, but now an emperor. Re totally rejecting, saying, nah, ain't going to do it. No disrespect, man, but I'm not going to join you. No disrespect, bro, but my God says not to bow. So the second question we have to answer and resolve in our hearts, if we understand, who do I put my faith in? Who do you put your faith in? Who do you trust to defend you? Who do you trust to protect your family, to protect your health? protect your finances. Who is your trust in? For, the, for these boys, their, their faith was in God. They literally said, our God is able, and you need to know that God is able. They said, our God is able, and he's willing. And you need to know that God is able, and he's willing for you too. 
God is no respecter of persons. If he's able and willing for them, he's able and willing for you. God is for us. He's not against us. And he has a plan for our lives. And, and these three boys were confident of who God was and his nature, that he was able and he was willing to rescue. Do you know nobody else has that reputation? Who else has that reputation? Who else can say that, that their track record is that 100% of the time they've been faithful? I like that. God can. 100% of the times he has been faithful to you and he had been faithful to them. And we can put our trust in him because he's good no matter what. And I'll share this with you. If you find yourself wavering in your faith today, do you know where we learn to trust God the most? It's not in the mountaintop experiences. It's not when everything's going good. Where we learn to trust God the most is when everything's gone sideways. When we wind up in the valleys. We wind up in the difficult places that are breaking our hearts. We wind up in the places that we can't understand how or why. But if you find yourself stuck in a cycle of why today, you need to understand that God has a plan and a purpose in that. Not that it was his plan and purpose to put you through it, but that because you're going through it, he's got a plan and purpose for it. But for more, for more, more often than not, when you and I face adversity, when we face difficulties in our lives, that song that we sing, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. Oh, we want to sing that song. It sounds so pretty. But what happens when we start really praying that prayer? God, I want to know you better so that I can trust you more. Then the fires start. <laughs> no, 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 no. This isn't how I want it, Jesus. No, no, that's not how I want it. I want you to spiritually impart it in me. Just a moment, not an experience. More often than not, that's what God's going to do. He's going to take you through something. And we pray, Lord, deliver us, and we circumvent the very thing that brings us closer and allows us to trust him more. So these boys, they didn't fret. They didn't worry. They didn't cry out. They didn't panic. They trusted. They knew the words of Isaiah, the prophet, to be true in Isaiah 43, 2, when he said, when you go through deep waters, you need to note that. It's not when you get stuck in the deep waters. He said, when you go through the deep waters. I like that. Go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you'll not drown. That's the thing you're going to through. There's, there's a through. It's not, it's not forever. It's a period of time. You're going to go through. He said, when you walk through the fire of oppression, and maybe this is where they found their faith, was to stand on this very verse that Isaiah said, that they knew, there's a fire we're about to go through, boys. But Isaiah said, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> God is with you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? He is 100% faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul said, I'm convinced. There's nothing I can do. There's no height. There's no depth. There's nothing that can ever separate me from the love of God. Nothing. There's a level of trust that God wants each and every single one of us to have. But in order to acquire that kind of trust, you always have to go through to get to. We don't like that, though, do we? That's a, that's a skosh uncomfortable for us. I'm not, really, I'm not really feeling that. Don't like that. But for us, we pray things like, God, help me become a better leader. 
and then everything goes haywire. People on our team stab us in the back. We lose people. And we go, God, why? He's like, you prayed to make you a better leader. I'm going to strengthen you through this. James 1 says, count it all joy when trials and tribulations come your way. God's at work. He's building you up. <laughs> God, make my marriage stronger. And then he points, puts his finger on inappropriate behaviors and attitudes, sheds a light on them. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. I want my marriage better, but not like then that way. <laughs> Don't like this. God's plan to grow you, to develop you, to build trust in you is to prove himself over and over again in the face of adversity. Now back to our boys. For them, they had experienced exile into Babylon. They'd made the cut where they, they weren't killed. They got great jobs. They, along with Daniel, had fasted and prayed and been elevated, given influence. To them, God had proven himself so many times. And they aren't worried because they've experienced his faithfulness. They didn't ask for this situation, but they aren't worried. Which, by the way, is why Paul, in Philippians 4, encourages us, don't, don't worry about anything. But with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Do you know why thanksgiving? Because thanksgiving, you remind yourself of all of God's faithfulness to you in the past. Build your faith. Then he says, then you can go ahead and pray and ask God for what you need. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And these guys aren't worried. They've walked with him. They know him. And you can have that kind of trust too if you'll choose to stand. It'll be the best year of your life to trust God as you walk through whatever 2022 has for you. But you got to go through to get to. And I believe that God has great things in store for you, great things in store for this church and for this community. But you might have to walk through some things in order to experience them. I notice you're not shouting now, and that's okay. We don't yike this kind. Back to the story, Daniel 3, verse 18. The boy said, but even if he does not, remember they said God's able and he's willing. Ah, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. So the third question you've got to resolve if you're going to stand in 2022 is what will it take for me to quit? What kind, of, what kind of adversity am I going to face in order that will make me want to quit? For some of us, it's not a lot. Just a little bit of pressure, a little more pressure, and we'll quit. Some of us, it just took a pandemic to quit. And even though the building's open and the church is here, people haven't come back to church yet. But it's not like they're not doing things and going places and going to Disney World and going to public spaces. It's because they most certainly are. Facebook lets us know. Guys, it's going to betray you every time. I'm just telling you. But it didn't take much. Just took a little bit of fear. Just took a little public, public pandemic worldwide. Some of us wouldn't take much for us to give up our convictions. The lie that we've come to accept is that it would be okay to bow now so that I can stand later. Like, well, you know, it would be okay for me to take that job and work Sundays and give up my fellowship here at church. Because, I mean, God wants me wealthy, doesn't he? Yes, I believe God wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. But I don't think it should come at the cost of your Christian fellowship. Well, I'll give up that, go into that group, um, and I'm, I'm going to get a little bit into somebody's business here, and I apologize. Not really. 
I'll give up going to to group for a season, you know. So, so, or I'll just, I'll just, I'll just dip out of, of that, so so my kid can play in that sport because it's really important. Don't we? How else are they going to get a scholarship? Because it's in Ohio State that we trust now instead of God. That was a twofer right there, from right between the eyes. I'm, I'm going to stay up late watching this show. Like, I mean, I cannot believe it. The last episode was a cliffhanger, and yes, Netflix, I'm still here watching. And it's 3 a.m. in the morning, and that means that I'm not going to get up and pray, but that'll be okay. And we repeat the pattern. We justify our willingness to bow to what culture and Netflix has for us. We're willing to quit healthy and spiritual disciplines and practices, to bow to the world's agenda for our lives, and it's subtle, isn't it? There's so many things that are very overt and some very, there, there's some very blatant things that we identify. Like, yeah, you know what, I can't participate in that. But then there's all these other subtle things that just, they seem good at the time. But they rob us. It cost us our armor. Bowing cannot be an option. And it may be an option for those of you that Sunday is just something to do. But for those of us that have encountered the living and risen Jesus... There's nothing worth bowing to. He is still king of kings and lord of lords. He sits on the throne. There must be nothing that can make us bow. That's what our boy said to the king. We expect God to save. We know he's able. We know he's willing. But even if he doesn't, we're never going to bow. Do you know what the, the enemy would have you believe is that, and as you look at this story, it's like, you know, the most loving thing they could have done is bow. And the enemy's telling you that today, too. The most loving thing you can do is just get on board with the culture. The most loving thing you can do is to bow. And it's totally not true. In truth, it's the most selfish thing you can do because all it does is save your hide. All it does is keep you from being canceled. Keeps you from coming under fire. And as we see in this story, and you'll find out in your own, that standing was the most loving thing that they could do for the people of Babylon, not bowing. Verse 19 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. Isn't it funny how the tolerant crowd become very intolerant when you don't want to get on board with their rhetoric? You see, is this a political message? Absolutely not. But you cannot miss the fact that this is a political thing that's happening. It is government leaders and authorities. Don't miss this, because I'm going to tell you the truth. This is just me kind of going off the rails for a second. I never thought in a free country that I would hear the words, if you don't do this, you will suffer. I think, I think that the world is just practicing for what the Bible says is going to happen. I think that, it's, that maybe we won't see it in our generation, but the Bible says it's coming. That persecution on that level, if you don't bow, there's going to be a fiery furnace to face. I never thought I'd see it happen. And yet here we are in this world today. I'll keep going because that was really popular. <laughs> Since he ordered, Nebuchadnezzar is so upset that he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Hey, guys, you know that fleshy, flesh-melting fire? I want it seven times hotter than that. He's so enraged. As if flesh-melting flesh times seven is worse than just flesh-melting. Kind of felt like you made your point already with the first one, but that's what you need to do, Neb. Let's go. 
And he commands the strongest soldiers, who, by the way, he's creating a scene, making it seem like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are problematic. And they're not. All they want to do is not bow to this, to this idol. You better pay attention. And so he gives the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up those boys and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes. What other clothes could they be wearing other than those things? They're bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed those strong soldiers who took the boys in. And the three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Now, we hate this part of the story because our theology says that if I stand for God, then I'm never going to face persecution like this. Like somebody might unfollow me on Facebook or they might complain or they may, might say that I'm being hateful. But that's where it all stops, right? No. More often than not, I think that when things go bad from bad to worse, we don't like that. We, we don't want that. And we, like these boys, I think we'll likely wind up in, in some kind of fire of some sort when we choose to stand for our beliefs. In fact, in, throughout Scripture, you'll see that Paul, the apostle who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, and eventually he was killed because of his stance for Christ. In the U.S., man, we don't get that kind of persecution at least, not yet. Like I said, I think the government's practicing. I think they're getting ready. The Bible says it's coming. Hopefully we're out of here before it happens. Amen, everybody? Hopefully we hear Jesus blow that trumpet and the sky splits and whoosh, we're gone. We're gone. But will we, if we had to, would we actually endure persecution? Could you say yes to that? Is your faith precious enough to you for you to stand in the face of the fire. The truth is, there's nothing to fear about the fire if you're following Jesus. In fact, it always ends right when you follow what is right, and Jesus is right. So let me quickly give you three things, because I know I've, I've gone a little bit of time here. Three things that uh, you'll find when you get into the fire. The first thing you're going to find in the fire is Jesus. I think this is the most beautiful part of this story, that you'll experience Jesus in a way like you never have in your best year ever, it says this, verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Yes, king, that's how many guys we threw in the fire. He said, but he said, I look and I see in there four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Through the Bible, we have these things that happen called a Christophany. It is where Jesus appears long before he was ever born to the Virgin Mary, that he appears in his glorified form. And it happens multiple times in the Bible. And for these guys, it happened. That there's a fourth man in the fire, and theologians believe that it was Jesus that he was there. In fact, he says, I see him in there. They're just walking around. Listen. If I was suddenly unbound and unharmed, you better believe I'm getting out of that fire as soon as possible. Not these guys. You know why? Because they're with Jesus. They ain't in a hurry to get anywhere. They're having a moment. They're being provided for. Hmm. They're standing there. You know, some of my favorite stories to tell are not the mountaintop experiences. 
where everything's going right. Every provision has come. And, and God's, God, it just seems like you can't do anything wrong. You've been in those seasons. Like, man, everything's happening. Your prayers are getting answered right and left. You feel powerful. Like God loves you more than anybody else. You know the seasons. Those are not my favorite stories to tell, though. My favorite stories to tell are the ones where the world is raining down hell on your head for standing, and Jesus is there. That you're being rescued from the fires. In fact, we sing a song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Those are the stories I love to tell. I was addicted. I was sick. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was alone. I was struggling. I was lost, and I had no purpose. But Jesus, but Jesus, now I'm free. Now I'm healed. Now I'm happy. Now I'm surrounded. Now I'm strong. Now I'm whole, and I live my life not with no purpose, but on purpose. Those are the stories I love to tell. And you need to know this, that Jesus doesn't save you from the fire. He joins you in the fire. King David understood this. As time and time again, God provided for him in the face of adversity. And he said this in Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Presence matters. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So you don't have to fear where Jesus leads you as you take a stand. You just don't have to be afraid. He'll be with you, and no one can take that from you. They may take your life, but they can't take your Jesus. Second thing you'll find in the fire is you're going to find freedom. You know, the things in your life that get shook off, that just fall to the ground, the things that have bound you for so long. I can testify to this personally, having walked through many fires myself, that not only was Jesus with me, but I came out of that fire free. That I walked through the fire, different than anybody else ever walked through it. Not struggling, not panicking, not worried. I was free. Back to verse 25, he's, Nebuchadnezzar said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of God's. They saw that the fire, verse 27, had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. The robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I like that, that it got that specific. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat around a campfire. This is not you even getting into the fire, but when you sit around a campfire, you smell like campfire. They was in the fire. Excuse my vocab or my grammar as it disappears. They was in the fire. They were in the fire. And they didn't smell like it. So the Bible means and it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're not even going to smell like you've been in a battle. I like that. Listen, they found freedom. We sang it today where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. There's freedom for you. It'll be easy to bow to the world's agenda and the enemy's strategies for your life, but if you choose to stand, you'll be in the fire with Jesus. And he offers you freedom. And in that freedom is peace, joy, strength, grace, mercy, hope, all the things that you need. No more fear, no more wondering, no more worry, no more depression. You can and will be free. And the last thing you'll find in the fire, you'll find Jesus, you'll find freedom, but you'll also find influence. And this, my friends, is the point. This is the point. Yes, God wants to bless you, but what God wants 
more than ever is to use your life to be a light to lead others to him. Romans describes it this way when, it's, when Paul says that all things work to the good of those who serve him. But the point of all, all those things is to glorify God, he says. Work to your good and God's glory. <laughs> what that means is that God's going to bring you through the fire in a way like nobody else has walked through the fire. And the world's going to look at you and say, how did you do that? Jesus, this is where God gets glory. This is where taking a stand makes a difference. When they see your, the way you handle your finances, the way they see your marriage prospers, how your kids are living their lives, the joy you have, the peace you have, the freedom, they'll wonder. What is that light from? It's Jesus. Watch what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 28 and 30 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God of Shadrach, to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know, there's no such thing as bow now and stand later. They chose not to bow, and that conviction led to others knowing God. That's the point. That's the point. Standing was the most loving thing they could do, even though the world told them the most loving thing they could do was bow. Because I believe if you're going to make a difference, you have to be different. You have to be different. The world is hurting, dying, and going to hell. They don't need more of the same that produces more of the same kind of pain. They need you to take a stand like these boys. You know, I don't think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew what was going to happen to them. I don't think they knew God's plan, that, that they were going to fall into the fire and that they weren't going to be burned up. I don't think they could even understand why they were chosen to be there in that moment. None of that mattered because they knew the who and they knew the what. They knew God and they knew they were going to stand. So today I'm asking you, will you choose the same? Will this be your best year ever? And in having your best year ever, will it point others to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would help us to stand by your ways this year. That as we pursue having the best year ever, by making it the best year spiritually, that you would join us in that journey. Lord, help us to resolve what to give our attention to, who to place our trust in, and to determine that we won't bow to the world's agenda. Help us to resolve what we give our attention to, Lord. Meet us in the fire. Help us to know you better and grow personally and grow in influence. May our lives, God, as we stand for you, become a beacon of light that turns others to you. Now, if you're here today, and as we're, we're going to continue in this moment of prayer, if you're here today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, you feel, you feel a knocking, you feel a drawing, you feel an invitation. That's God's spirit. It's an invitation to a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Today, he longs more than ever to be in relationship with you, to have you know him intimately, to be your friend. And here's what comes along with a relationship with Jesus. Forgiveness of your sin, a brand new start, 
full and fulfilled life here on this earth and eternity in heaven. My God, what more could we long for? You say, Aaron, but I'm not perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be willing. Jesus is perfect for us. His grace is sufficient in all the areas in which we are weak. And besides, if you could change yourself, you'd have done it already. Jesus changes hearts. Jesus changes lives. So today, if you're ready to accept Jesus, begin a relationship with your heavenly Father. I'm going to pray a prayer, and the words are not magic. It's not about the words. It's about your heart that believes and your mouth that is confessing your need for a Savior. So if you're ready to pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it. Would you just let me know that you're joining me? Would you? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to make fun of you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I just want to know. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm praying that prayer today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. For those of you that are even joining us online, and everybody in this room, nobody prays alone. Pray out loud and say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, the Bible says if you prayed that prayer that all of heaven's having a party. Come on, Simple Church. Can we celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today? Man, it's a good day. Listen, if you made that commitment today, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, the encouragement is to grab, grab that Connect card, fill it out. There's a place that says, I said yes to Jesus today. All we want to do is, is help you with your next step. Your next step is baptism and we can help you. We want to help you be part of this church because you belong here. You belong. So we want to see you be part of us. Fill out that Connect card. Make the second best decision you can make today. You've already made the first good one. You said yes to Jesus. Make the second best one and decide, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to get in here, and I'm going to follow Jesus with all these other people. Amen, everybody? Let's do it. All right, well, as we wrap up today's service, I want to remind you again, we start 21 days of prayer and fasting today. If you didn't know about it and you've already eaten or you've already watched TV or whatever, what, just join us now. Join us after service. Just, just, just start. Pick it up. Or join us tomorrow. I'm fine with that. But, but join us for this 21 days. It'll make a huge difference in your life. And for those of you that have been part of it, you know it to be true. So make a plan to join us, 7 a.m., or, or make a plan to watch that message and that, that time of prayer when you get up and when you have time in the morning. <clears throat> be part of it. Come join us for prayer at 9 a.m. here on Saturday. So having said all that, I want to just also remind you that uh, if you've come today and the Lord is speaking to you about giving something, uh, for those of you that are committed to, to give tithes or even above that, as the Lord has led, there's ways to do that here on the screen. If you're a guest with us today, you're under no obligation to give. We're really just glad that you're here. So thanks for being with us. For those of you that choose to give in person, there's a give box right here in the back of the room. Again, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for all that you're, you're giving. It is really making a difference. You're helping us make a difference here in this community. Let me pray and we'll dismiss. If you need prayer for anything after I've said amen, our available pastoral team will be up here to pray with you uh, as we dismiss. So Lord, thank you again for your word. I pray that it's rooted in our hearts, God, that we would be uh, like the seed that falls on fertile soil, Lord, that it would take root, it would spring up, and it would produce fruit in our lives, Lord, that fruit being our trust in you, that fruit being our stance for your ways and for what is right. God, we pray 
you would be with us this week as we begin fasting and as we begin a committal to our relationship with you through prayer. For those that have said yes to you today, whether here or online, God, I pray that today would be a great day of celebration for this new life that they've begun, Lord. Let it take root in their hearts and their lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday for part two of Best Year Ever. She